What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 17, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on her 19th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the fathers to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my friend, Chris Emick with Go Bucket Yourself inspiring you to embrace life, find your authentic self, not be selfish, and get your dreams off the shelf and start living your life. Enjoy meeting my friend, Chris. Chris, what is up, bro? I'm looking forward to reconnecting with you and talking about fatherhood. How are you today? Dude, Ned, I'm doing amazing. It's a beautiful day here in Colorado. We just got back from a pretty hectic little chapter. So I'm grounding down and chilling out and reconnecting with the family. But yeah, everything's going great. And I'm excited to talk fatherhood with you, man. Yes. Love it. All right. So I'm going to ask you some random questions just right out the gate. So you already said where you live, but how old do you find yourself today? I find myself 44. 44 years old. How many years you've been married? 20. Nice, dude. That's what's yeah, up. Yeah, we just celebrated 20 years back in March. So yeah, big right. two zero. All right. Did you do anything special for the 20th? Yes. I'm a planner and I'm an adventurer. So I like to plan a lot of shit. My wife likes to have the brakes pumped on me from time to time. So I didn't go typical Chris fashion, but uh, that's probably a win for my wife. So that's a win for me too. Love it. Well, do you want to tell us what you did? Yeah. So we did a couple things. We went on a date cruise of sorts. We had a couple cruises planned before the pandemic that got shut down and kicked around and all that kind of stuff. So it was just her and I getting away. Our daughters are 17 and 12. So we had one of our parents come and stay with them, but it was nice to get some time alone. And it was really nice in the cruise setting because we've done enough of those types of trips where we don't feel compelled to have to do everything, like every stop, we don't have to try to fill our days full. So we kind of just hung out, tried to exercise, do our morning routines. So it was almost like we were on vacation, but we weren't like going fast as hell vacation. Mm -hmm. And so it felt great. Like we could just be in touch with each other and in touch with ourselves. And we came back just as rejuvenated um, (laughs) as when we left. So that was it. That was a good one. Yeah, man, I dig it. I think it's really important to know I I can totally get wrapped up in let's get up at six and make sure we see every possible freaking thing. And then you don't come back rejuvenated. And you didn't even connect because you were almost like so focused on okay, yeah, we're at the zoo. But if we don't leave here in 10 minutes, and we're not going to make it to the epic lunch spot that I planned. So I can tell you that my family finds it valuable when I don't do that. And what's funny, bro, is one of our most epic family trips, we were going to Yellowstone, right? So we're taking our RV from California to Yellowstone, Grand Tetons. And dude, I broke my ankle right before we left. Oh, shit. It sucked so bad. You know, like, dude, I think about me on my crutches loading five bikes on the freaking bike rack. (laughs) It's hard to do without crutches. But anyways, long story short, it ended up being one of the best trips. And some of it was because there was just so much empty space. Yeah. So first lesson, dudes, when you plan a trip, plan lots of room for 
empty space. You know why you're going. Okay, so you find yourself 44, been married 20 years, two daughters, 17 and 12. Yes. Yes. Okay. Actually, this is a crazy time. So everybody's birthdays are hitting. So actually 17 and 13 and my 17 year old will be 18 in a week. So uh, 18 and 13 for all intents and purposes. Crazy. Okay. So that I don't miss it. You said this before I hit record that your 18 year old, did they just graduate high school? Yes, she did. She just graduated high school. So that chapter is now done. Okay. So bro, unlock this for us for a minute. So this is like one of the dudes, I got to say this, like this is one of the most critical things about having associations with other men in your life. My daughter is 17. She's going into her senior year. I'm about to have my oldest be gone in a year. So fast forward to like you talking to yourself a year ago, what would you tell me today to go, Ned? Okay. You're in your summer. She's 17. You got one more year. This is what you should be thinking about. Yeah, that is a superb question. And the junior and senior year, I don't know if you can relate on the junior year, but junior and senior year were kind of a whirlwind for a number of reasons. One of those reasons is my daughter doesn't know what she wants to do, which I don't think is that shocking of a deal for a 17 or 18 year old kid. But that is outside of the norm for the group of kids she hangs around with. Mm. So 18 was a hell of a whole lot of me trying to just be compassionate and empathetic Mm. to turn down my dials of typically trying to, from a loving place, but trying to ask the kind of leading questions that hopefully get her thinking, but in a kind and soft and gentle way, even those kind, soft and gentle questions at times would ratchet up her anxiety to where Mm. it's like, I almost just had to leave it be and just be okay with the fact that she doesn't need me to coach her right now into what she wants to do in this next chapter of life. She just needs someone to understand that she's feeling a decent amount of anxiety and it's a little tough tougher than it was for me at that age. So hopefully I did that well. Yeah. Okay. I dig it. So giving space for them to figure stuff out, be an ear, listen, not too much pressure. So let me ask you this. You said you knew what you wanted to do when you were 18. What is it that you wanted to do? Yeah. Well, I knew a couple things. And now at 44, I can look back at that mirror and see some of the unhealthy motivations that Mm. got me there. So basically money, money, money was all I gave a shit about for a large chunk of my life. So at 18, I wanted to make money. Computers were starting to become a thing. I was pretty tech savvy. I was the nerdiest of my clique of friends. So I went into like software engineering, computer information systems, and it actually fit me well, not writing code per se, but technology and engineering. And then later leadership in those realms Mm. did suit me well up until the point that it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any other thoughts, anything else that I should be considering as my daughter's going into senior year? The answer probably is probably nothing that I can give you that's going to probably click well with you. I mean, each of these beautiful people in our lives are so unique and individual Mm -hmm. that I would just say he is attentive and intentional as possible, knowing you and knowing uh, the circles and what you're up to. I don't think intention is going to slip too far off your radar. So uh, I just say, yeah, like just foster that connection and Mm. uh, be excited for this ride and see where it goes. Okay. So you said three things that are massive. Okay. One, be excited for them and their new adventure, not, oh shit, you're leaving and make them feel bad about it. Two, you said foster that connection 
oh, dude, powerful. And then I think sometimes I could be too intentional. And you said the word attentive. And I think Mm. that has such a different tenderness to it that I think sometimes as a man, as a father, I'm intentional with my kids. I I lose sight sometimes of like, am I being attentive to this tender woman that's, you know, becoming in my household? So dude, three key things that I am walking away with. So thank you. Okay. I love and hate this question. Some of this is exciting because what you do is exciting. I want to get into go bucket yourself. But what I want to ask is what do you do for a living? Now, why do I hate the question? Because most dudes size each other up with this question. So do I feel good about myself or shitty and want to move on to a different conversation? But I ask it because fatherhood's a level playing field. If you're a Fortune 500 CEO or you're pumping gas and you're a dad and your daughter's going into her senior year, you're asking the same questions. It doesn't matter. So with yeah. that in mind, what do you do for a living? Well, hopefully this makes your audience feel better about themselves because I'm gainfully <laughs> unemployed. You know, like I, I don't have a job. I don't do shit, you know? So now that the answer is I was in technology. I did that run for about 18 years. The last five years of that, I stopped loving my job mm. and started pivoting into rental real estate. We started buying single family homes. And so we pretty much live off of the income of that. And I won't call it completely passive in the fact that like we don't just sit around and waiting for the next check to come. But at the same time, I like to give this analogy of I used to work 48 weeks a year and get four weeks off. Now I work about four weeks a year and get 48 weeks off. So it just helps to paint the picture where it's not completely like I'm retired, just sitting on the beach, uh, you know, drinking my Mai Tais. But at the same time, we do have a lot of free time. And it's been that way for the last three or four years. And we're kind of using that space, that time to find out who we are, what's important to us, have this time with our kiddos, you know, while they're still here and prepare for what else we may quote unquote do that makes money in the future. Uh, maybe there is something that's coming down the road. We're kind of in something now, like you said, with Go Bucky Yourself, but that's a short answer-ish of what I do. Okay. So just a couple of thoughts. We don't have to spend a bunch of time talking about this, but I think when people initially hear that, you got a couple buckets of people, you've got the, oh yeah, killer, understand, cool. And then you've got the, oh, that must be nice. So mm-hmm. for the person who's going, oh, that must be nice. What's your response to them starting to unlock the potential that is kind of out there for many? Yeah. I would say it is nice. And I do appreciate some privilege in my life. And I also want to say none of those rentals were purchased because of a trust fund, inheritance, any kind of windfall or lawsuit, or someone just woke up and like, Hey, dude, do you want to buy 19 houses today? And uh, here's the money to buy that or you don't have to put any money down. So it was a strategy and an intention, but I'm a very normal person. I don't have like any crazy skills or any crazy entrepreneurship like things hanging around with a group of front row dads. I -hmm. I recognize the people that do have those those, uh, (laughs) skills and ambitions and all of that. And I didn't have them. So I feel like I'm an average Joe that found a way to stop working for money. And if you're inspired by that, cool. I'd love to have a chat with you. Or if you feel like that's too off limits or too something else, that's fine. You have that opinion. But overall, mostly what I found is I was worried more about people when they would hear when I introduce myself, either like people ask me, what do I do? And sometimes I say like, I go out in the woods and take a shit, you know, like just to be funny and play around with the fact that I don't really have a job job. But most people are pretty 
interested or they just move on. I don't get a whole lot of hate or flack. We actually did have this thing on CNBC that had some pretty big publicity. And so we did read the comments section. And some of those people were definitely like, fucking must be nice, you know, <laughs> like just creating all sorts of wild stories of like how we managed to do this type of thing. But yeah, so it's wild and it's fun. And it took effort and work and energy to go and do it. Mm hmm. It did. It took effort and energy and work less than I would have assumed. Like mm. if I would have been someone that heard, because I was someone at 34, 35, when I started listening to some Bigger Pockets podcasts, I was that guy that was like, there's no way a normal person is done working at 40 without some kind of inheritance, some kind of trust, mm -hmm. some kind of big thing. And so then after listening to these podcasts and reading blogs about normal people like me that were able to do it, I was like, okay, it's work and effort. But at the same time, that return on my time, I could just see the equation was going to be better if I went down this path of real estate for us. Other people choose other paths, but it's been nice. Love it. Okay. And I'm going to move on from this after this last question. But I know if I'm sitting here listening, I'm going, oh, yeah, that's cool. That was possible 10 years ago. So let's go back 10 years ago wasn't before 2008. 10 years ago was 2013, 2012. So as someone's going, well, house prices are shit right now and interest rates are shit right now. It's not possible today. What's your response to that? We actually started buying in 2015 and 16. Mm. And at that time, I thought I missed the boat. Fucking the people that got in in 08 through 10, they had it made. No wonder I'm listening to podcasts of people that had success from that right. era, but I'm screwed. I bought a house, but I was pretty sure, you know, I'm going to be that sign of like, this is what you don't do. You don't buy at the peak of this and da, 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 da. So I would say, yes, it's actually even different than when I was purchasing mm -hmm. six, seven years ago. And when it's hard for a lot of people, I think the opportunities start coming more and more available for the people that are willing to... I don't like to use the word grind or hustle or any of that kind of stuff because mm. I just want to convey that I'm not a big proponent of like... I don't define a lot of my life by my success or anything like that. But if you're willing to make some connections, if you're willing to get curious and explore alternative ways, I think some of these types of times can be the most fruitful. I wish I could give you a specific example of like, oh, this is how... So and so did it in in this time of this era or whatnot. I, I guess the general theme I've picked up is when it's tough for most people, that's an opportunity to come in because a lot of people are either sitting on the sidelines waiting for interest rates to come down or crashes, but there's always opportunities. You're probably just one or two or three connections away mm -hmm. um, from being able to discover those opportunities. So connect with people and you'll be impressed with what comes available. Dude. Love it. There's always the now's not a good time. But two things you said, well, three. First is you said, I wish I had like a, this is what you could do now. But the point is there isn't really ever a perfect strategy. The things that are the keys that you said is curious. So one, are you curious? Are you willing to be vulnerable? Are you willing to go out there and learn? Are you willing to listen to a podcast that you don't understand half the terminology? Then you've listened to 10 and now you do have some understanding of the terminology. And then are you willing to go make connections? Like I remember I heard you speak at something and then I hit you up on a Zoom call a year ago and you answered a bunch of questions for me, helping unlock it as I'm on my journey of figuring out what freedom looks like for me and my family. So love it. Some cool things, some good things. So now will you talk about go bucket yourself for a minute before I jump into just like some rando fatherhood questions? 
Yeah. So as we were getting closer, as we were accumulating each new rental property, and I could see we were getting closer to the line where I'm going to quit my W-2 job and start this new experiment. I knew I wanted to do something. You know, it's like, I love gardening. I love hiking and I love being a dad, but I was pretty sure um, I can't do that, you know, every day of the week. So I wanted to have something to pursue, whether it be a passion or a hobby, but something that was bigger than just me going out and having a good time. And mm. so my wife and I came up with this idea called Go Bucket Yourself, where we wanted to take some of the messages and inspiration and lessons we had learned and be able to bring that to people or at least create community and events around those things, but to do it in the setting of nature and have some mm. mixture mixed in with that. So the three tenets of Go Bucket Yourself are connection, adventure, and growth. And so the idea is that we want to create events and we're, we're doing that this year. But prior to that, it had pretty much just been a podcast and our newsletter of how do we touch on those topics? Because overall... I feel like I take some of those things for granted as far as like nature and connection and mm. all that kind of stuff. They come pretty easy to me, but I'm realizing that more and more people either grew up in an environment or a place where that wasn't as accessible or they haven't found the benefits as much as I have. And so I just wanted to use that. And I was like, well, that's, that's fun. Like that, that doesn't sound like work to me. That sounds like excitement. I love planning things. I love being out in nature. So it's like, if I can use my skills and my love and I love to learn and grow. And so if I can do that and start to put these kinds of events and meetups and things in place, I just wanted to explore that. Out of all of the other options I saw in front of me, I thought that option sounded the best as far as like, I want to spend time doing that. And it feels like it's bigger than me. It feels like that's a way I can give back because I consumed a shitload of, of podcasts and I went to a lot of meetups and a lot of events. I want to now be able to give back in a way to basically help people that maybe feel stuck in certain areas. And yeah, that sounds great to me. <laughs> Love it. Love it, dude. There's a passion and excitement around that. So cool. Definitely. If you're listening to this, go check out the Go Bucket Yourself podcast. Keep an eye on the events and opportunities that Chris and his family are going to make available. So Chris, as you think back over your almost 18 years of being a father, when did you embrace fatherhood? So you kind of talked a little bit at the beginning that you are pursuing money and you're pursuing career. Was there a point in your life where you went, man, fatherhood matters. And I really want to go all in on this. Yeah. I will humbly admit that it was later in the game than I would like to admit. My first thoughts of fatherhood were entrenched in probably kind of the tales most of us, you know, that are north of 30, 40. Hell, maybe it's even still the young guys out there today. But the message I got when I was a dad was pretty much if you're around, aka, you know, you didn't run off, you didn't get a divorce, that's pretty much like that's the bar. Anything north, you're crushing it. You are crushing it. And so I was like, oh, shit, I'm around. I'm going to bring home bacon and, you know, I'm not going to beat my kids. So it's like, okay, that was, that was like the bar at first. And then as my daughter, my oldest daughter, my, my girls are five years apart. And so we had those first five years, which is the three of us. And as my daughter started to get to the age where she could do stuff, at that point, fatherhood looked like, oh, I just need to create another mini version of Chris. My life's pretty good. So I bet I just need to try to mold her into me, try to convince her that the things I like are the things she should like. 
and do it both in obvious ways as well as just kind of those unambiguous snide, sometimes sarcasm, sometimes ways of just like trying to convince or make her into another little me. So then fast forward to a point where we've got both of our girls. I don't really understand what I can't really put my finger on what that first inflection or turning point was that had me starting to be like, okay, maybe this isn't just about creating little miniature versions of myself and my wife. Maybe there's something more to being a father. And so, oh, I think actually now that I'm actually saying that out loud at my work, we were starting to do some leadership classes And so I started, Mm. I put together a book club for the senior leadership at our company. And we started doing some stuff and we started reading books about more like servant leadership, where it stopped being like, instead of being the best boss, isn't the guy that just tries to make all of employees like him or respect him, or he's not the smartest guy in the room, Mm. but it's like starting to realize that the people that are working for you or with you you're there to servant. So like servant leadership. And then I was starting to connect the dots of like, Oh, maybe this can apply with my children at home. Maybe I'm here to serve them, not to mold them into me. And I mean, that sounds super obvious now, but at the time (laughs) that was pretty revolutionary to me. And then eventually, yeah, I just started getting better and better at realizing like, whoa, I may not have this all dialed in. Maybe they're here to teach me. Maybe I Mm. can be a better listener than I have been. And then I found Front Row Dads. And then it just took that slow progress I was making and helped to ramp that forward because it it constantly reminded me of being like that, how important of an opportunity and privilege and Mm. responsibility it is to be that dad. Maybe I'll pause there, but I I do want to say like being a solid dad, a great dad, a good dad, if you're not picking up on this yet, it wasn't easy for me. And it still isn't in many Uh, regards, just like some people need to surround themselves where it's like, you're the average of the five people. If you want to have a healthy body, you probably need to find friends that are, you know, working out all the time or inspiring you in subtle ways. I need that in my life because if I'm left to my own devices, I can see me slipping a little bit more to where it's like, oh shit, I haven't done a daddy daughter date in, you know, months or I haven't done this and that. Okay, so many nuggets here. I love how you said this is a privilege, this is an opportunity, a responsibility that I have. You said that left to my own devices, like if you're just kind of self-focused, then you'll just continue to go down that rabbit hole. Do you think that's true for everybody? You know, you're like, I'm not that good at this. But do you think that anybody who is really focused on self-growth, that they're going to find disconnect from maybe the things that matter most to them? I would say the majority of us, I would believe, and these are some of the fun conversations I'm having now with dads, is once I crack that egg of vulnerability and humility where I'm like, Mm. there are times... I don't like being a dad. There are times where the little selfish Chris inside of me wants to just go out and play and not have to worry about like, am I being with my kids enough or what do they need or all that kind of stuff. And until I have that awareness and until I share that awareness, I think it stops my growth, inhibits my growth. And also just has other guys being like, okay, they see some guys on Instagram or listen to podcasts like yours and like, damn, some of these dads are just crushing it. And and I do know some dads where it's like, I think their first thought is my kids, my kids, my kids. 
And I'm not that way. And so I need to put those guardrails in place. And I need to be in community and connection with guys that inspire me to do a better job. It's easy for me to think of me and my wife of like, okay, let's do a trip, you know, the two of us, or it's easy for me to be like, Hey, what is it that is really important to you? And I want to support that. Mm -hmm. And it's not as easy for me to do that with the girls. So I recognize that limitation or that weakness that I'm currently at. But as I found amazing men that can teach me, I can work on that and be better. And it's funny, like having these kinds of conversations, I do hear from dads where it's like, dude, I'm glad you shared that because I feel the same way. It's not easy for me at times or all the time and things like that. And so I think it's just great when guys can say like, man, this is tough. You know, like I'm getting my ass kicked here. Uh, I feel like I don't know how to relate with these young little teenage ladies. This feels impossible. And my default reaction is to check out and just say like, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, let me make sure they don't starve to death and they have food and then <laughs> hope like hell they get to 18. And I was like, okay, I don't, that path doesn't really excite me that much. So I'm, I'm excited for the challenge and the adventure of fatherhood. And it's very helpful to have great men yeah. to inspire me. Yeah, man, I resonate with you a lot. And I think a lot of us men, the default to work, it's so funny, like even today, I could work all day and be stoked, like love it. But what's funny is I was working on my father-daughter children's book a little bit earlier. So I opened up some photos to inspire me. So I had one screen with some photos of me riding bikes with my daughter to inspire me. And then I was like, shit, I planned my day all the way until exactly five. I could probably stop at four and go do something with Stella before she goes to her friends this afternoon. So I, I went in and I'm like, hey, can you hang out with me at four? And we'll go do something. She's like, yes. But if I hadn't have paused to like think of what matters, I would work in my office until seven or eight o'clock tonight. I like it. And so I think what's interesting is like when you and I pause to talk fatherhood right now, we could have done a podcast on just real estate and both of us just been like, oh, we're vibing. This is amazing. And then we're going to go listen to more podcasts and learn more and grow more. But then once we start talking about fatherhood and our daughters and they're turning 18, there's like this hard, vulnerable part that opens up. And I think we have a little bit less control than we do in the business or real estate or whatever. So living in that vulnerable space, we want it, but it's hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very hard. And that's like I was saying earlier, you know, a lot of my early days were computer software engineering, network engineering, and that kind of stuff. It's very binary. <laughs> you know, it works because it works. Mm -hmm. Whereas fatherhood, it's like, shit, it's like, Dude. I'm trying to take all these cards that were handed to me from previous generations. And I'm like, well, this is how I was taught to be a dad. And then I come across some information or it just doesn't feel right. And it's like, well, shit, what do I do? Like, this is much harder than it is to you know, just, just either be with myself or to be with another adult. And so, yeah, it's easy to check out and to numb and to do those other things that previous generations of dads probably got a lot of accolades for doing those kinds of things. I don't know. It's a challenge and it's hard, but it's like working out. It's a good kind of hard and challenge. It's the kind of muscle I want to develop both for myself and to see where that goes in fostering and developing these relationships with these beautiful ladies but also into hopefully like, whoa, what's it going to look like two to three generations from yes. now when yes. we are setting a new precedent, a new standard. So whereas the old bar, like I said, was the kids are fed and clothed and you don't just leave them. Maybe the new bar, you know, is something that we're helping to establish. And it's like, that's got to be a good thing, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. A little aha I just had from you. We use working out as a great analogy all the time, right? Because we all know if we go do 10 reps into failure for 100 days in a row, we're going to look different. But what's funny is I don't think on that 99th day, just to use the example, that I'm waking up going, oh, I'm so excited to go work out (laughs) this morning. I don't know that that ever fully happens. And so if you're a dad and you feel like a piece of shit, because sometimes in the initial, you don't feel like I'm so excited to go on this family trip, or I'm so excited to go on this bike ride. But you will remember that like when you leave the gym or that when you're on the bike ride, all of a sudden you're enjoying it. You're enjoying yourself. So I think in those moments where you're like, I just don't feel like doing that. Don't think you're a bad dad. I think many of us still struggle with, I don't want to do this right now. But once you're in it, I think it's good for you. The thing I want to just say is you said once you started reading servant leadership books. So two things you said that unlocked fatherhood was important to you was you focused on serving and on growth. So two things, dads, if you're feeling like you're not sure what to do, those are two things. And obviously, if you're listening to this, you're already kind of in that mode. Okay, so with that being said, what would you say the role of the father is? And I know it's kind of come out some, but what's the role of the father to you? Yeah, to me, it is to be that guide to where sure, you're establishing some behaviors and and some skills and some of those things. But I think sometimes we put too much of an emphasis on that. But Mm. I really love the idea of I'm trying to be I don't know if this is the role for all fathers, but it feels like a pretty solid statement for me. So I'm just going to share that I feel like it's my duty, privilege, honor, to help my daughters to get to know the unique, beautiful person they are and to develop the tools, the self-compassion, the love so that they can continue on that journey of who am I? What are the things that light me up? What are the, Mm. the kinds of relationships I want to be in? And so I'm huge on authenticity. Almost everything I do, if you boiled it down to everything, I love when people can be authentic to who they are because I see that's a rarity nowadays where a lot of people are wearing a lot of masks and a lot of armor that they've had to pick up for a lot of reasons in their lives. I just want to hopefully allow my girls to know like, look, we're doing the best we can, but in some ways we're failing you. And we've probably done some things that we didn't even recognize were traumatic to your life. My hope is that I can help you by one, apologizing for those things, as well as continuing to inspire them and hopefully unlock the doors to help them to really truly understand who they are and what makes them tick and not make them feel like they have to change into someone else to either appease me or to appease some other person in their life, whether that's another man or relationship or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Dudes, when I turned 39, I had some serious conversations that really opened my eyes to this desire that I wanted to look on the outside, how I was feeling on the inside, like an alpha father. So I decided that before I turned 40, I was going to get that six pack, something that I always wanted. Now, I knew I needed support. So I joined Superhuman Fathers and these dudes got me shredded. It took me longer than expected, but they helped me to surrender to who I knew I wanted to be. And they helped me discover a much deeper understanding of my potential as a man, husband and father. 
this tribe and the overall experience has taught me way more than just how to look good. So if you're looking to transform into the man deep down that you know you were created to be, go to rebelandcreate.com forward slash transformation and I share tools and resources that will help you do the same. How would you encourage dads who say, I'll be 40 next month, you're 44. Many of us are still to some level unlocking what our identity is. So how do I help my child who's 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, understand their authentic self while I'm also in pursuit of that for myself, right? So I don't want to be a know-it-all and fully fake it till you make it, but I also don't want to just be figuring myself out the whole time my kids live under my roof. What are your thoughts on that? I would say one of my biggest suggestions would be just be open about where you are on your journey. I've used a lot of stories telling my girls like, this is how I grew up. And this is how I used to believe the world was black or white. And there's Mm -hmm. good and there's bad. And this is why I was so judgmental about these kinds of people and that kinds of thing. And I'm like, and now I'm on a different journey. I recognize that that was just me relaying the type of place that I lived in. I like to share those stories. I like to be open with my girls about how I'm trying to discover why money is so important to me. Well, I was like, oh, I get it. I'm starting to connect some dots because of A, B, and C. I inflated how important money was. And I used net worth to define self-worth. I use those to explain to them. And they're 18 and 13 now, so they can understand this. But if they were younger, those stories are a little bit different. But then just like right before we hit record, my oldest Claire and I were in the kitchen and making lunch. And she's both lifeguarding this summer as well as she's coaching the swim team that my youngest daughter is on. Nice. And so I'm just using those subtle ways of exploring that with her. Like, how's coaching going so far? Uh, That's good. I like this. Do you enjoy working with younger kids? Yeah. Do you feel like there's anything more meaningful in this? Or is it just because it's something to do? You like hanging out with these people and that kind of thing. And she's like, "Ah, I don't really find any like real purpose or passion in this yet. It's just something to... So it's just those ways of asking them the questions that have them hopefully think Like, why am I doing this? Or why do Mm -hmm. I like this? Or why do I like to sit in my room and and paint? You know, is it just to create? Is it just to express? Is it because I don't have friends? You know, those kinds of things. And so those are ways that I think, even though I'm still on my journey, definitely, of exploring my authentic self and, and the masks that I still wear, helping them to develop that awareness, maybe at this younger age by seeing it modeled of like, damn, I'm really, I thought I had life figured out at 25. And I just realizing now at 44, it's like, shit, I don't know. I don't know half the things I thought I did. So. Yes. Okay. So, you know, what I'm hearing you say, and I think is just so critical and really freeing in a lot of ways is be curious, like be curious. We talked about this a bit, be curious about yourself, be curious about your kids, create connections. And really this idea of creating connections, what you just shared is that comes a lot from asking questions. Like I want to know you, right? We Mm -hmm. all want to be known. And then when I'm asking questions, the hope is that either I can be asked questions by you and, or now you're open for me to share where I'm at. And somebody said this to me recently, I should remember who it was. Cause it's like, this means a lot. 
we're not that far ahead of our kids. Think about you're 44, your daughter's 18. It's not like you've lived a thousand years of wisdom. Like, sure, you've read, you've done some stuff. But I think sometimes as parents, we act like we know so much more. And it's really just a mask of like, I'm scared and I don't know shit. And so I'm going to pretend like I know everything. But dude, in the scheme of how long this earth has been here and all the books and all the stuff that's out there, like, I'm really not that far ahead of you. Oh, uh, well said. Yeah, you nailed it. And that's that humility that I think is just so key mm, yeah. to fatherhood. That is amazing. Like I bet 10 years ago, if you would have said being humble or apologizing or those kinds of things were the role of the father, I'd be like, no, no, you've got to like set this example of like, mm. you know, believe in what you say and stand up for it. And you need to be right and all that kind of stuff. It's like, damn, how far from where I want to be going is quite a distance. But uh, yeah, we're not that far ahead of them. And I'm just so impressed with these little ladies. You know, we homeschooled them and some other things. So it's not like we've unlocked them to some prestigious schools and they've adapted all this kind of thing. Like, no, they're just these beautiful little humans. And every kid is probably like this. It's just when you get quiet enough or curious enough or humble enough to listen, you do start to realize, yeah, you're not too much farther ahead of them than that. And that's cool. I mean, that's kind of fun, you know? Yeah, because then you're like doing life together. You're both learning and growing. And we have so much to learn from our kids. Man, we could wrap forever. I want to get to a couple questions. You know, this podcast is Fatherhood Field Notes. You're already doing it, just sharing so much of your life with us, opening up your field notes. The mantra behind it is rebel and create. And, And I can already tell, you know, some of the things. But when you hear the words rebel and create, what comes to mind? Like, what are you rebelling against? And then what do you hope to create out of that rebellion? Yeah. So in a general sense, I think I'm rebelling against the story or the narrative that we've all been told is the American dream or what it is to be this and that and the other. And that American dream story of the white picket fence and climb the corporate ladder and retire at 60. And the same thing for like our kids, go to high school, graduate, go to college, pick your career. Uh, I'm just rebelling against the narrative that there's one path that works best for everyone. So I'm trying to create by modeling to as small as Mm. just the four people in our world. I'm trying to create this belief or this environment where it's like, yeah, there isn't really one path. And that's the beauty of life. Or that's probably the one true mission of life is to really understand who you are and what brings you joy and what your gifts are, and then how to tap into those gifts and share them with the world. And so I'm excited to do that, like I said, in that small scale, but I'm also excited to with Go Bucket Yourself and in other ways of collaboration with other communities, being able to do that for other people. Because we're at that place where it's like, this is the age where most people have that midlife crisis. And my Mm -hmm. belief is the reason people have midlife crises is because they lived a false life up to this point. And they're like, I have Mm. the things, I have the car, I have the house, I have the kids, I have this. And there's still something that feels off inside of me. Then you go out and blow up your life because it's like, fuck, I'm doing all the things people told me to do. And I would be extremely happy and I'm not extremely happy. So I must be broken. I must be wrong. My feeling is an antidote for a lot of people would simply be Like, you don't know who the fuck you are. You don't know that essence within you because you've been told from so many great people or less than great people throughout your life that this is what it means to live. And you may not have that awareness of who you truly are. So Mm. that is is what I'm hoping to create as 
vague and uh, esoteric as that may be, it's definitely my path. I feel like I was made for a specific purpose. And that's my life's journey is to find out what that purpose is. And each day I get a little bit closer to that. It's those small improvements. But each day it's like, ah, yeah, this this talent, this skill, plus this connection, plus this thing. It's like, yeah, this feels like this is my gift. And so I want to keep leaning into that. And as it brings me that feeling of meaning and purpose and joy, I'm excited to see other people have that. That's what I want to create. Dude, I love it. I love it. I love this. What does it mean to live, right? How often do we carve out the space to go sit with myself for 20 minutes and just ask the question like that's scary it's vulnerable right but like just go sit for 20 minutes and ask yourself what does it mean to live and then whatever comes to mind go take some action on that but then go back to the beach go back to the river and ask the question again is that in a sense what you're talking about to just peel away from the nine to five from the daily routine from all the shit that makes you feel safe and just go ask that scary question and then just take a little action on it doesn't mean go leave your family or go, you know, do something crazy. It means go take little action towards. Is that what you would say you're getting at? Yeah. What we like to say often is it's about curiosity. Whatever that little whisper or nudge of curiosity, or what was that little thing that lit you up as a kid? Mm. And then just get curious about that. And don't let those freaking voices of that's not what 44 year old men do, or that's not what moms do, or that's not what, Mm -hmm. you know, married people do. Just lean into that curiosity and journal it, note it down, be aware of it. And you may not even have to take action today, but Mm -hmm. at least lean into that. Like, what is it that makes you curious? And then keep keep digging and keep tapping into that. And it is just those small incremental things. It's not like, oh, I liked to paint. And then tomorrow you quit your job and you buy some paintbrushes and you're now trying to create that. It's not that kind of explosive action. It's just like, oh, I like to paint. Fine, go paint. And then you're going to find out uh, what that next little thing is and that next little thing is. And so that's what Ah. I believe anyways. Dude, I love it. Okay, so I'm going to ask my last question. But before I do, I wrote down three things I wanted to make sure we touched on. One was authenticity. So in like reading your stuff, I'm like, okay, authenticity is important. You touched on that. The second was pursuit. I mean, clearly through this whole thing, we're hearing about this constant pursuit and I love it. It's not like I pursued this and I've arrived here. It's just about this constant pursuing. And this last one, which really is pretty similar to what does it mean to live is this question, and I don't know if I read it in one of your blogs or where, but what dreams are you putting off? Mm. And I just think that's such a powerful statement that you've made. So I don't know if, if any of those three things you want to touch on one last time before I ask my final question, but those are the three things that I thought were really valuable to gain some knowledge, understanding, and wisdom from you. Yeah. So we say this often too. Yeah. Don't put your dreams on a waiting list. And sometimes that can sound too woo-woo or like, oh, it must be nice to do that. I recognize that, or maybe that's not what people say that maybe that's just the voice in my head of like, oh, well, of course, it's easy for you to say that. But maybe this quick story will help to to illustrate this point. But like, as we were getting close to the point of we knew that we did not have to work any longer, I was starting to share that with family. And it was just like this weird thing, because most of my family is very like hard work is what defines you. It is Mm. your purpose. It is the meaning to life type of thing. So we kind of got some of those, but I just kept hearing like, well, I don't know what I'd do. I don't know what I'd do. I don't know what I'd do. And I don't think that's a bullshit answer lie, but I do think there's a lot of people that don't know what they want to do because they've defined themselves so much by what it is they do, you know? Mm. And so my aunt was a few years away from retiring from a job she hated. 
she just could not answer that question of like, what are you going to do? Like, what are your dreams? What are your passions? What are you curious about? All of those were just these blank stares and like, shit, I don't want to be like that. I want to see a world where people feel empowered enough to dream or be curious, take that pursuit, take that action. And so that's probably a a way to maybe encapsulate those three things. Yes. Oh, so good, bro. Okay. My final question. Imagine 30 years from now, you're standing in a cul-de-sac, you're peering into the homes of your daughters and you see their life being played out and you get a big smile on your face because you know that the way that Chris showed up is playing a role in how they're now living and enjoying their lives. What is it you see happening in those homes that puts that smile on your face? Yeah, I would hope to be seeing these beautiful humans engaged with connection with family, friends, and just maybe continuing on. My version of legacy is that they have enough compassion and empathy and love Mm. for themselves and for the world to where they want to hopefully be passing the torch or inspiring or helping people to understand and become more authentic in, in their lives. So that's probably... (laughs) Not a very specific answer, but at the same time, I can't really think of like, oh, I'd love for them to be playing Parcheesi and da 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 da. I I can't get that specific. I have to just think in these more general terms, but it's like, yeah, I'd love to see them maybe carrying on whatever it is that I learned. Whatever mark I make in this world isn't really something I'm looking to define. I feel like I'm more Mm. just the middle person in a relay race. Like someone's handed me the baton. I'm running with it for a little bit now, but the next person I hand it to, they're the anchor man. Like Mm -hmm. they're the ones that are Mm -hmm. really going to drive this baby home. And so I'm excited to see what that looks like in their lives because it's probably going to be markedly different than how I live my life. But uh, hopefully there's still that passion to serve others and to discover their gifts and use those. Okay, Chris, dude, this is so beautiful, bro. I think it's so much a part of you that it's not like, oh, I have this principle I want to share with you. But what you said, just what naturally came out of you was you said, I want them to be empathetic and compassionate. And it didn't say towards others. You said first towards themselves, which to me is they haven't arrived at some like, I've got it all figured out, which is the same thing you've been sharing with me the last hour is that I don't have it all figured out. So first and foremost, I have compassion and and am empathetic towards myself so that then I can be truly authentic Mm. and offer that to somebody else. Because if I'm just offering humility and, and I'm empathetic towards your needs, I'm doing it from a place of I've controlled my environment because I'm scared to be myself. And so I'm not really finding myself. And then even the torch and the relay is like, bro, this isn't about me. This is about like this ongoing journey forever. And I'm just one dude on the path. No one's going to remember my name in 200 years, but hopefully the way I live my life today, I pass some values and some purpose and stuff. That's not just the same shit. Everyone else is saying you should do. Yes. Bro, I, I think are. you wrapped it up way better than I did, Ned. So Dude. thank you. Because well, you're was... sitting here inspiring me. So I have this time to think through this. Chris, so inspiring. Bro, keep waking up every day and just jumping on that path and living your journey and adventure. And thank you. Thank you for sharing it with the world. I feel so fortunate to be connected to you and to have gotten this time to spend together. Thank you for the man, husband, father, and human being that you are, bro. Just wish you the best. Oh, I received that. And I thank you for that, Ned. And right back at you, brother. All right, man. Until next time. Wow, what a powerful, 
conversation inspired by his humility without a doubt. Now I'm going to take the wisdom he shared at the beginning, especially about connecting with my soon to be senior, I guess senior now that summertime's here, junior year's over, but the word attentive, to be attentive to her needs. And as I think about that word, it really helps me lean into my potential as a father to be tender with my daughters. So much thanks to Chris for that. My friend, quick pause here before we wrap this up. You are already making massive change to your legacy and family tree by investing in yourself as a father. As you know, Chris and I touched on this, many men stumble into their role as fathers and our societies in desperate need of fathers who know who they are and are engaged in their home. I created the Adventure of Fatherhood children's book and gift box as an opportunity for you and I to be a part of another man's adventure and welcome him into his role. Please help me spread the word that fatherhood matters by inviting new young dads into their role. You can go to adventureoffatherhood.com, order a kid's book, have it sent to your house, put together a gift, give it to the dude, or I've done the legwork. You can order a gift box, type up a note that you want to go in the box, and we'll send it to a new young dad welcoming him into his role. Now, he could have one kid, two kids, three kids. This dude has not gotten a gift, has not been welcomed into his role. It is up to you to do so. So. Take action on that and or you can go to Amazon and order the kids book. And if you do so, please write a review because it helps spread the word that fatherhood matters. All right. Thank you to you dads out there listening to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do truly matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse and community needs. This is your guide, Ned. Shout together. Let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. All right, my friends, I look forward to hanging out with you next time.